0: And Bruins have won the Stanley
2: Cup. Talking Bruins in the NHL.
0: Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. Yeah. Yeah. With Ken Laird from a Craig Hill Morning Show.
2: That's evidently what Ken Laird wants you to believe. And WEEI.com Bruins writer Matt Calm, Everything gonna be all right? <laughs> Place him up for some bees
1: talk right now. It's the skate park. Sunday skate, I'll give it a B. B plus on WEEI. Holy this is a big time show. It is a big what time show.
0: All right, here we go. Another edition of the Skate Pod. It's the 14th of November, 2019. Ken Laird and Matt Kalman. And the Skate Pod is now presented by Red River. We welcome Red River back to the Skate Pod, our exclusive sponsor this week. We have a special guest, Jamie McLennan, Noodles from TSN, <laughs> former NHL uh, goaltender for many, many years. Bounced around the minors mostly, but he had a solid yeah, NHL he had backup some, career. Some
1: great moments. And uh, the backup goalies are always the best to talk to, so.
0: He'll be asking him about uh, collapses because of the Bruins Tuesday night four goal collapse historic crumble at the Garden. Did you see this coming? I went to bed quite frankly when it was four zip. I, I cashed it. Yeah, in. if I
1: was if I was home and it wasn't a Bruins game, I would have turned it off for nothing, as my son well knows, because I d- did that last week to another game too. <laughs> the uh, NHL, you guess he can't turn it off anymore. But did well, I see there, it there coming? Were
0: three of those, three four goal comebacks in the NHL. already yeah, this year
1: exactly. It's unbelievable, and uh, you know. Blame, blame whatever you want to blame, but holy, you know they just keep stop. They stop keep stopping playing, and so.
0: Well, I want to go through uh, who's to blame, but first, just a quick reminder: you can download us on iTunes, of course, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio.com dot com is uh, rocking and rolling in terms of the skate pod, and uh, give us a good review if you can. We appreciate those. Uh, keep coming in. Now we had Don Cherry on the show a couple <laughs> weeks ago. Uh, we addressed this on uh, on my show in the morning, the Greg Hill Show, a couple days ago, and maybe we'll get to it at the back end of this podcast as well. But. Uh, Glad we got Don when we did. Yeah, that's uh, right. Uh, he went out with a with a bang of some sorts, whatever you want to describe that. And uh, he has uh, been relieved of his duties. More on that a little bit later in the program. All right, first, yeah, what happened? I mean, <laughs> what what is well, the blame? Off, What's the biggest culprit for blowing a four? Well, I mean, to the Florida Panthers.
1: It's the National Hockey League. It's hockey of any level, and you have to blame the goalie, right? First off, I mean, holy cow, um, those first two goals, and especially the second one, the Hoffman goal. Um, by now, people are hopefully have drunk have drank themselves away from it and forgot what it's going on. But I mean, the Hoffman goes terrible. I mean, how it gets to the short side there, nobody knows. Um, and then the rest of the team, they just, they, they didn't go for the jugular. You know, they should have had six or seven last night. I mean, Montembeau made some great saves, but they let him off the hook not time and again. And then after they blew the game, you know, or actually it was four, three when, when coil open lane to the, to the goal, open, In the slot, and he passes, and that was just the most egregious of the four or five times that happened earlier in the game, even when they weren't blowing the lead. This is a thing this team has, and it's funny. We talked to Cam Neely about Pasternak and Heinen, and he brought up this thing about being selfish by passing. I mean, shoot the damn puck, guys. McAvoy in overtime. Oh, my God. These guys are unbelievable why they won't shoot. It's like they... We know that their strength. They always say is our chemistry, our camaraderie. We love each other, we're family, and it's like it's seeping over. They just want to be generous and give out Christmas presents to everybody, but go out there and steal something and take a shot. Well, McAvoy is the most troubling to me. I mean, it was like Uh, he is he is
0: he is afraid to shoot. Right, it it, it is something mental there. Yeah, it's unbelievable. You know, he
1: he he tried telling me that you know a lot of times that the shot's not there, but you can't he can't be out there as much as he is and not be able to find the seams. And you know, this is going to be part of the growing process. He's not going to be Drew Dowdy overnight, I guess. And we'll see how it develops, but it also puts them in a tough position here because Torrey Cruz out now, and we don't know what Torrey Krug's future is beyond this year, and this is the guy that's supposed to you know, pick up a lot of that slack as far as the offense five-on-five five and power play.
0: Not to mention, Matt, Grizzly was the choice to lead the power play in Krug's absence, right? Yeah, Is that absolutely. eye-opening to you?
1: Uh, not eye-opening because... They at this stage of the season they don't want to start reinventing everything and it works best with a left shot who can move the puck and you know Grizzly can clearly not as dynamic and we saw some of that there was some staleness maybe to the power play last night but uh, you, you got to um you got to shoot the puck it's like it's just so basic and so you know but but, and, but and the also and line also is they gave he made... up
0: four they gave up four. right, right. forget well, well that and goes back shots. well that
1: goes back to the goaltending and you know
0: I really blame Tuka for only one of them though, yeah really I mean well for first, first of all. Two of them are on the power play, right? So the refs are a little bit. To, I didn't think those were egregious hand. Yeah, I mean, I'm so used but,
1: to terrible officiating in the National Hockey League that you just have to play through it. It's just like bad ice or being on the road or tough travel schedule. It's it's just comes with the territory now. Um, you know, they lost that coil goal in Montreal. So ever after that, you know, does anything shock you?
0: The fourth goal to tie it. Cassidy actually referenced this, but yeah. I mean they they bailed defensively in front the the wingers. He said he wouldn't say Pasternak's name, but <laughs> yeah, it was right. Pasternak. Yeah, Pasternak comes in and just does a flyby, right? A well, rebound, and you have you got uh, Yandel dropping down low and he buries it. So that is concerning with Pasternak. I wonder if if it's going to his head a little bit here. I mean, uh, obviously, well, you know what you know what. Success. Okay, you're gonna
1: bring this up. This is my issue right now with him. Um, he's averaging only like 19 and a half minutes a game, which is a career high, but it's only maybe a minute more than last year. But the last four or five games when I've looked at the sheets after he's up 22, 23 minutes. he's, he's the one double shifting when Richie's out and they don't dress and only dress 11D he's double shifting last night you know after a penalty kill he's double sh- are we running this guy into the ground? I mean yeah he's 23 and should be able to handle it but it's only November and like you said a mental mistake like that creeps in the shootouts uh, he, he's, he's afraid to even use him in the shootout because he was so ineffective on the, in, in the Philly game. Um, are we are we running this guy down for no reason? Oh, interesting.
0: Well, if that's the case, then you're putting some of this on Cassidy, which I know right. many people were. First of all, with his shootout selections, yeah. Now, you know, he goes with what I don't understand is Bergeron. Where's he been?
1: Because well, he's, he's pretty a, terrible at this too. I mean, he he's a
0: 25 percent career guy. He has not gone this year.
1: He's, he had like a, he he started. I, I, I don't quote don't. Uh, this is not official stats, but my my recollection is when when the shootout started, he got a couple. He had been good in the AHL and got a couple early. Then he went through a long slump where he wasn't getting it. He changed his approach. He got hot again, and then I think he cooled off. It's it's just so he's been cold so last maybe, year. So maybe just, you do have to just go. I mean, he was always the leadoff guy for so many right. times, and now he doesn't even get in there.
0: Like Coyle, I understand. McAvoy, I understand. Well,
1: obviously, Coyle, I don't understand. Even though his percentage is great, I mean, a guy a guy that doesn't like to shoot, and you use him in the shootout.
0: Well, but that doesn't matter. I mean, it's totally different. It's not like it's not a game <laughs> yeah. action. It's a different situation. He's been a good shootout guy. You know, yeah. decent. I mean, obviously, he scored last night. He was the only guy that scored. Right. Um, Tuesday, as we talk about this on uh, you know Thursday, but. You know Wagner, I don't get now. Wagner's like a dynamo well, in terms well, cause of practice. Well, because Wagner's
1: he's got a couple of his goals kind of Sean Thornton style. You know, dangling and getting the the little deke and the five-hole move. But then he didn't use that last night. So what's the point? Like sometimes you get you're thinking too much. Right. Exactly. Like, Patrice
0: well, Bergeron or Chris Wagner. Well, well
1: I mean, here's the number one thing with the shootout from the whole league. You have a lot of speed. You're a National Hockey League player. You don't want to think. Use your speed. These guys that slow around and take the. Jack Edwards quote: "Serpentine route." Well, it don't do for Florida, it. Florida, though, a couple of their goals worked. Well, there. sometimes it works, but you know what? Well, that goes back to Tuca not being very effective in the shootout. Yep. He hates it. Let's face it. You know, he said, "What is it? You're either the you're either the hero or the asshole." So, <laughs> I mean, you can't. That's like the motto. That should be on. That should be like the. They should say that before every shootout. Oh. The, the, the PA guy should come on and go, "Here we go to the shootout. Where you're either the hero or the asshole."
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, i've seen on twitter some blame for cassidy not calling a timeout after the second goal mm-hmm. to try to stem the tide i'm i'm less i you know on that, but
1: there those are such nitpicky things i i'm i'm worried more about you know 11 forwards dressing for the game and and juggling the lines like that you know or not keeping should have just kept three lines together at least you know and, and but spot that, that game they were so out of sync that was a detroit game right
0: yeah, with camp for dress. They're, they're
1: trying to dress they're, – they're they're using different centers with Corrali on the wing and Wagner, and then they're putting wings with those two guys. It was just such a – have we not learned about this team? They do their best when it's just consistent lines, even if you're shortening your bench. Just have consistent lines, have consistent personnel. Uh, so, so, you know, that was a situation. And, again, I, I'm not too fond of this Basternak ice time situation. I wonder if it will become an issue at some point here and. uh there's there are things here and there, and now we'll we'll really see what uh, you know what he can pull out of a hat. If I mean you, a four game losing streak going into a back to back with Toronto and Washington, even if you win one of those, you know that's that's five out of six on the loss column. That, that that's actual adversity. I mean, you talk about adversity from injuries, whatever they've had. They've never had a real adversity adverse situation like this. Three three times they've lost four in a row. Under Cassidy, and one of those was the four straight to, to Tampa in the in the playoffs. So And danger of it getting
0: worse if, you know, Toronto and Washington, there's not easy games right. <clears throat> coming up this weekend. Yeah, I mean, they were 11-1 and 2. They're now 0-2 and 2. They had the Pittsburgh game, which they almost blew.
1: Right, and you can't look but at that the, as like a,
0: as like a, a model game. <laughs> so. The Montreal game was, you know, dominated by
1: the offsides play,
0: but still, yeah. you know, they, they lost the game. Right, I mean, there the, the goalie
1: said the ball, the, the puck looked like a golf ball. So.
0: Right. Uh, then Friday in Detroit, they lose four to two. You know, and you stirred the waters by writing that Tory Krug was going to be a Detroit Red Wing by like <laughs> noon on Wednesday. So exactly. God, the venom that you got for that was unbelievable.
1: Uh, well, all I did was use the word upset, and people were very offended that I said that the, <laughs> the last place Red Wings beat the first place Bruins, and it was an upset. I didn't know that that was such a t- harsh word. I didn't know that was a, a trigger word for uh, some of the Twitter followers here. Uh,
0: what happened in Detroit? I mean, the Wings were on a four-game skid. Now, they've since, I think they've won three in a row. They're actually back, yeah, they're they're somewhat. They'd
1: be Vegas the next night, so right. uh, you just never know. But, oh well, the penalty kill let them down the there just night, like yeah. it did last right.
0: night. Cross, cross, like between the circles, passing on yeah. the penalty kill. Stuff that never would have happened.
1: And that's where Vetrano scored last night, too. True. So, Good point. Um, they found a soft spot in this penalty kill, which is definitely not reflective of the, you know, we can bring up the seven forwards that are out now <laughs> of the line of injured. Yep. True. But, you know, that's none of them are super penalty killers. Jake DeBrus doesn't penalty kill too often. Uh, you know, Carson was just starting to break in there, so it's that that shouldn't really be the issue at this point. They should really have this structure down, and I, I think you know, I mean, I referenced it, my story on on Wednesday morning, and I think I've brought it up here. Uh, 2011, they started three and seven. They went undefeated in November. It's just. It catches up to you at some point, and and then after the the unbeaten in 11, they kind of went into a back-and-forth, you know, 500 hockey mediocre kind of team for a while. It's just it, – it, it has to catch up to you. Yeah. Um, and you know what? Watching St. Louis play, I think part of their solution – and I'm not saying they're not going to hit the, the wall, too, at some point here. Maybe some people would even say they did when they started off a little slower. They added Justin Falk, who played almost as long last year, right, went to the conference finals, although – Maybe he didn't break a sweat in that four-game sweep. Um, they look a little energized. They've added a little you know, blood, a little fresh blood to there, and I think maybe just being in a different place energized him. And, you know, at some point maybe you have to do something, but clearly being up against the cap, having seven guys out, it, it's it's hard right now.
0: The uh, Philly loss, They, boy, the first two periods were brutal. Uh, salvaged the point with a third right. period where Hyden gets lucky on a goal, really, and Marchand. That yeah. you know, a great snipe, classic Marchand snipe to tie the game, but uh, you know, not a not a great performance, not a back to back. They had
1: an off day between, right? So just, well, that's just that's where this hangover thing is going to come in. It's gonna, it's coming in now. The schedules pick you. They went like they had three day breaks, like two weeks in a row before that, right? So they were fresher. Yeah, and now you're in the more one set, one game every day, other day, one game with just two day break and. You know that's when it starts to take its all.
0: Interesting division too. I mean, I know you were kind of mocking Florida and Bobrovsky, but there, you know, that's kind of a win that could put a
1: team. Yeah. On a run. Like I said, Detroit lost it. Right, uh, like I wrote, it's, it was the greatest moment in Florida Panthers history since <laughs> somebody hit Patrick O'Reilly in the head with a rat. So, I mean, you know, great. 23 years later, you got another great moment in your history. So we'll see. I mean, it's,
0: it shows character, shows Quinville is, you know, on top of that team. Yeah. I mean,
1: bit. you got to give them credit for not lo- ro- ro- rolling over the way the Sharks did when they came into town, right? right. So the Sharks right. are the total opposite. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see how that goes. I mean, we know Buffalo's, I mean,
0: Buffalo gets swept in Sweden. So they're, yeah, I didn't, I didn't get into rows. the whole,
1: you know, Bruins are. Not only do the Bruins have a lot of time, clearly, it's only November, but the division isn't as, you know, right now, Buffalo's showing it's a fraud again, Tampa's trying to get together, you know, we don't know what, what's going to happen when they come back from Sweden, Toronto is Toronto, a, a firestorm, it's almost like they're playing a game of chicken with Babcock now, Like they almost like they want him to quit rather than fire him, <laughs> it's like a Costanza thing, I don't know what's going on, don't you think that they fired Babcock now? They would get a spark that would really you know, oh, get them going. Yeah. It might not be the right decision for the long term, but at this point, they have to do something to light a fire onto this team.
0: Actually, you're, you're sort of right. I, I can't say that I know Babcock and compare him to like a hard nut coach. All the but he, he's a tough guy. He's demanding, yeah. right? You bring in a guy that loosens the reins a little bit. Maybe that would have an impact on that team. But then again, their problem is D. Uh, so you know, I'm I think it would sure just that. I think they would just
1: play more relaxed. Maybe. I think the, you know we know how the pressure cooker the is there, there right? and uh, I don't know what they'd have as a replacement, whether they'd bring up the AHL coach or bump up an assistant. You know, they have Dave Haxtall, the floor Flyers coach there. He's not exactly uh, Mr. Magnetic Personality. I don't know how that would fly in Toronto, but you would think that uh, they have to do something there, and I guess maybe they could just keep using the uh, injuries as an excuse. They went from Tavares being out to now Marner's out, so they can use that as an excuse. But, I mean, you know, they're going to get behind at this at this rate. And so, you know, the like, the division has given them their fast start and the division not really being as competitive at this point as Boston. Bought the, you're ba- about yeah, has bought the Bruins some time here, so yeah.
0: a three point cushion as we record here today for first place. All right, let's get to our guest. And by the way, all that leafs talk, plus our next guest is uh, has a talk show in Toronto. You're gonna uh, be accused again of just oh like my getting God. a Toronto podcast. Exactly. Uh, so hopefully we'll get too far. How do, you,
1: how, do you, how do our listeners not love the soap opera of Toronto, <laughs> regardless of where they live? And we talk plenty of Bruins. I mean, geez, you've got to have a diversion now and then.
0: All right, special guest this week, Jamie McLennan. He hosts weekdays 4 to 7 at TSN 1050 in Toronto. You know him from TSN and, of course, NHL Network and NBC over the years and former uh, NHL goalie himself for many, many years. Jamie, we were just talking about the Bruins collapse on Tuesday night, four goals in the third period. What was the worst collapse of your hockey career? Do you remember it? <laughs> <laughs> Too many to, to go into <laughs> the detail. I I'll be honest. We I had a crazy
2: game in Washington one night. Um, I was with the Calgary Flames, and I was playing against Olaf Kozik. Was on the other side, and with five minutes left, the score was zero zero, and both of us were av- actually having pretty good games. The game ended up <laughs> three it, three it, it, with. I don't know what happened. I mean, I do know what happened. Uh, Jerome McGinley took control of the game and then Jamie McLennan melted and couldn't hold, <laughs> hold the lead three separate times. And to the fact that, I mean, I think with a half a second left, Yarmer Yager scored from behind the net off the back of my leg. Oh, and at that point I was like, all right, get me the hell out of here. So it was one of those ones uh, that still haunts me to this day where i I think I cost our team at least a point, maybe more that night. But there, there are several over my career where you're like, man, if you just had a save. I, I also had a, a night in Toronto one night in the old garden. I was playing for St. Louis and um, I, we won 6-4 and they still had, uh, I'm, I don't know if you remember the rule where you, even if you had a skate lace in the crease, they would, it would mm. be a no goal. And they had two goals called back. And we ended up winning the game 6-4. And Mark Bergman said to me afterwards, he said, uh, you did your best, but we still won. So it was uh, <laughs> one of those nights. <laughs> so, yeah, believe me, I've been there before several times. And, uh, you know, it's one of those ones. I watched the game last night. And, you know, I, I-, I took as a pretty laid-back guy, and I love him as a goaltender. But it's just uh, it- it's a battle. But uh, I'm still a huge fan. Uh, a uh, fan of where the Bruins are as an organization and the way they've played, they're they fantastic team.
1: Yeah, you know, it's, it seems like with Tuca though, um, he goes through these stretches, and I guess every goalie has slumps, but it it tends to really get out of control. Considering maybe considering where he usually is typically, and, and you know maybe where he, and he's at his best in the playoffs. It seems like when he when he's bad, it just gets really bad. I mean, do you, yeah. would you agree with that?
2: yeah yeah you're right it goes through stretches and here's the one thing i'll always say from somebody outside of, of boston is is you know like i think Tuca's a fantastic goaltender and the, the the challenge with him is that um you know he's been in that market for so long so it's kind of all you know right, right now like if you look at Any organization, they would die to have him, but ultimately, you're right, when you watch somebody so much night in and night out, um, you you do notice the ups and downs, and and Tuca does have those stretches, but you're right, a lot of goaltenders do, it's just uh, more of a battle than, uh, uh, it's how you come out of them and how quickly the team can help you come out.
0: So, so how does this affect the team, Jamie, when they blow a four-goal lead? I mean, uh, overall, they're still in pretty good shape. They had an, an unbelievable start, 11-1-2, but uh, we've been worried, uh, you know, Bruins fans, about like, a cup hangover. Is this it? Is this kind of what you're seeing, uh, uh, the danger of a long season the year before?
2: Yes, and, and let's not forget, they're, they're a pretty banged-up team. You saw another right. injury last night. So, you know, I'm not going to absolve any team because of injuries, because everyone's going through it, but – some nights it does catch up to you. The, the one thing I never worry about when it comes to the Bruins is the leadership group and the the, the amount of guys that they have that can dominate uh, uh, any time, because uh, that top line is still fantastic. Tara is arguably one of the greatest leaders of all time in all pro sports. So, you know, I, I, I don't think it would affect the psyche of the group that much. I think more they would be pissed off about it and, hmm. and frustrated because you're – uh, you know, you left a point on the table when clearly you were in control of the game. So it's not that it's a learning curve, but it's one of those ones where you're like, all right, boys, let's knuckle down here. We're better than that.
1: You know, along the same lines, too, I, I my my smallest, tiniest little issue with Bruce Cassidy these last two years is just I think sometimes he defers too much to that leadership group. And, yep. I, and we haven't really seen him now. This is only the third four-game losing streak since he took over in 2017. And so I wonder... Um, you know how he's going to respond if this were to go a couple more games here, and just you know, what what would you expect out of a coach in a situation like this? Obviously, you use that leadership group, but what would you hope he does to kind of get them out of this?
2: Well, I think the biggest thing sometimes you have to pick your spots. I've had some amazing coaches throughout my career: Joel Quinville and and Al Arbor and Jacques Lemaire and Daryl Sutter. Um, if you continue to bang the same drum, it it, it the guys tune you out. So if you have a great temperament, like Joel Quinville was a, a prime example of that, you, you allow the leadership group to sort it out. And when they're not sorting it out, or you don't like what you're seeing, that's when you come in and you have maybe one garbage can kicker and 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 kind of hold a couple guys' feet to the fire. Uh, nowadays, guys make so much money, and, and it's more a you know as much as a, t- a team game. Every guy's their own little brand within the room. So. Uh, the one thing that you can only hold over players head is ice time and accountability, so you know if you don 't like what you 're seeing from certain players if they 're cheating or taking the, sh- the 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 short way out, then you know, hold their feet to the fire a little bit, but uh, like I say, it falls on deaf ears if you do it too much. so I think if i don 't know how Bruce handles the day to day stuff. But there will be, I'm sure at some point, have to be a, a little bit of a meltdown, the old major league where you throw all the bats in the shower or you do whatever you need to do. But, right. you know, ultimately, uh, the the guys,
0: I think they're such a good team, they'll be able to sort it out. One weakness of the team we're seeing, or uh, it's early, but they're 0-3 in shootouts, Jamie, and, and Posterdike <laughs> yeah. in particular is not a real good breakaway guy. He got stopped on a penalty shot against Philly Sunday, and then in the shootout, they didn't even use him on Tuesday. They, they've... they've kind yeah. of benched him. He's like a fifteen percent career shootout guy. But what do you see with him in his game in terms of breakaways and I don't know, I don't not sure you've broken down his stuff, but like as a goalie, what do you see in terms of the ability to score um, in a breakaway?
2: Well the biggest thing for for you know Pasternak, like when to me shootouts are they're they're hit or miss. Because right. sometimes guys they need the pressure of somebody chasing them. They need <laughs> uh you know, they need something where in their mind there's that uh, you, you've got to be quick about it. In the, in the shootouts, everything's slow and methodical and you can think it and you can overthink it and the goalie can psych you out. So I, I, I think they have to practice it in practice. And a lot of times you'll see uh, coaches go off the board. It's like, nah, the sixth defenseman is second to shoot because in practice that's the guy who scores every time. So you, you do see things as far as thought processes outside the box. Um, Pasternak's a fantastic player. I never worry about him, but he is going to have to switch something up. And a lot of times you're looking to deke. He may just have to come in and just shoot. Um, nice. I saw, I think it was Claude Lemieux the yep. other day, sorry, not Claude Lemieux, Claude Giroux yep. the other day in, in a shootout against the Leafs. He took a slap shot. Yep. <laughs> you know, like sometimes it may just be something simple like, you know, close your eyes and fire away because you you've got a bomb for a shot. So that's what I'm looking at with when it comes to the skills competition. I got to be honest, I hate it. But I was zero and two in shootouts that, and both of them went into extra uh-huh. extra shooters. Right. But I'm biased because I hate it.
1: Yeah, I mean, since the since the invention of the shootout, I always wondered why they don't just use Chara to go up there and just blast away. I can't imagine a goalie getting in front of that.
0: No, it's
2: ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, you're up there in Toronto. I mean, has the week been dominated by Don Cherry, or are you talking Leafs? What's what's going on in your talk show?
2: A uh, little bit of both, to yeah. be honest. I mean, you know, the the Cherry situation is unfortunate for everyone, and I thought Paul Maurice handled handled it the best. He said, overall, it's just sad mm-hmm. because he said, you know, you're 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 sad for the words, you're sad for the reaction, you're sad for you know an icon that people you know, grew up watching uh, every Saturday night. And you don't want to see anybody go out that way. But ultimately, you know, the world is changing. You have to be responsible. I mean, we all talk for a living. You, you have to be responsible for what, come, what comes out of your mouth. And and to me, I, I thought Paul Maurice nailed it uh, uh, when I watched his media yesterday saying – you know, it's it's sad for the people that took offense to it because you know hockey. You want everyone to be included. Uh, you, you don't want uh, any type of racist or any type of comments to come out. And 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 you know, to me, I I, I think that's true. We're we're trying to to grow as a as a world and grow as is especially in hockey. I think hockey's trying to grow uh, and get away from the, you know what people stereotypically think players are like and stuff. And I think we've seen a lot of progress and, you know, ultimately, uh, uh, you know, Don has to be responsible for his words as I do, as you guys do, sure. as everyone. Right. So, um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, but yeah, there a lot of people talking about it right now. And then obviously the Leafs injuries with Mitch Marner, uh, the high ankle sprain, and they've had injuries and inconsistencies. So it's, it's a big problem there.
1: Yes, yeah, so as as we're talking now, this will post tomorrow. So the the, the Leafs have played the Islanders, but just how have the have they responded up till now to the monitor injury, and and how long do you think they can they can sustain you know or get out of maybe their slump with that without him?
2: Well, they lost John Tavares for seven games, right? So you know they they've been able to fight through. I worry about their defensive zone structure. Mm-hmm. In you know, it's been five years, we've been talking about <laughs> right. it and. And, and to me, that's something that the Bruins were able to expose when they got deeper into the playoffs. Now, I know it went to Game 7, and, and honestly, like, you know, those teams match up pretty well as far as some skill and the goaltenders and all of that. But, you know, I look at the Bruins' structure when they're on their game. And, they, you know, on nights, to me, structure protects players when they're not having the, the best night, either mentally or physically. And, and the Leafs... uh when they're when they're tired and they're not on they get exposed mm-hmm. and to me that's something uh, of the details of the game that have to get sorted out so um you know it's still a work in progress in in Toronto but uh, as you know it's quite a, a noisy fan base and media <laughs> base up here so right. uh, never nothing Ever short to talk about up here. Put it that way.
1: And, and along those same lines, what what about the goaltending situation? I mean, you, what are your your thoughts on, on on Freddie Anderson? But I think also just the workload that he continues to have to handle with the, them not finding a, a sufficient backup.
2: Well, to me, they've 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 painted themselves in a the corner because they're up against the cap, so yeah. they've got a spot uh, as a, for a backup for seven hundred grand. Where you know people get frustrated when they think of the Bruins and they go, oh, David Pasternak makes six point seven five million, mm. and he's he's a $12 million player, you know, and, and Brad Marchand makes 6.3 and he's a $10 million player. Like, you know, and I know those contracts were signed years ago and it's percentage of the cap and all that, but you know, people don't, they don't take kindly to, to looking at salaries and going, you know, and doing that comparison. And, and then you, you look at a guy like Yarrow Halak. Yeah. He makes 2.75 million, but he's worth every cent of it because, you know, they, they have a platoon system and now Raskin, can can rest and go deep into the playoffs and and to me they don't have the luxury here freddie has been taxed he's had to play 60 plus games uh they had stable backup in curtis mcelenny um but he was 35 years old and and they they moved away from him and they haven't had stability since so it's it's been a struggle there and and like i say they can't even go out and get a guy like louis domingue who won 21 games last year and was available out of tampa on waivers because they they didn't have the room on the cap, so right, well. I think that's a source of frust- frustration for uh, a lot of people up here as well.
0: Well, last one for me, Jamie. We've had every every podcast guest we've had on, we've asked about Tori Krug and whether he's worth eight million dollars. So we'll ask you the same. <laughs> What's he going to make? Is he a franchise defenseman?
2: I love him. I, I know. I it's funny because I follow everyone in in Boston on Twitter and and you know and and see the comments and he's one of those guys. It's almost like in politics. You're either on the left or the right when you come to Tory <laughs> Krug, which I'm a big fan. I love the player. He's got jam. He can skate. He's got a bomb for a shot. Does he turn the puck over and have some warts in his game? Well, the next perfect player will be the only perfect player. I'll, I'll tell you that because um, I guarantee you there's 30 other organizations that would love to have him. Uh, Price point, I get it. That's where you know, he may have to take the Boston dollar discount to fit into the structure of what, uh, what everyone does there in Boston. But um, I'm a big Krug fan. So I don't know where you guys fall, but I, I just I think he's a guy who, um, you know, he brings it and, and he competes and he's not a big body, but he's got jam. And, and, and to me, he's everything of what the NHL is, is as far as, uh, you know, today's game. He doesn't have to fight, even though he, he will. But he plays hard, and, 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 and to me, he's somebody that I would love to have on my team. Um, you know, is $8 million or whatever rich for every, any player? Absolutely. You know, you're always going to overpay and question the contract. But, uh, um, you know, that's a put it this way, envision your team without him right. and, and see where you're at. Exactly. That's, that's what I always do because uh, when we start just talking about flat dollars, um, people can get frustrated chasing their tail because you're you're you there's always going to be a year where you're like oh you're paying eight million for that or you're paying eight million for this uh, you know it's frustrating but uh ultimately i'm a big krug fan
0: That's uh, my long uh long answer for a short uh, question well we appreciate you coming on we had uh cherry on the show about a month ago so be careful all right we don't want to be kind of <laughs> like a jinx podcast or something watch, watch no, yourself i know out
2: there. i know i like i say it is what it is but mm-hmm. uh um, you know, unfortunately, I hope that doesn't tarnish his legacy too much. But again, with uh, you have to own your words, and yep. and he kind of doubled down, so it's unfortunate.
0: Thank you, Jamie. Yeah, appreciate yeah, thanks your a lot, time. Jamie.
2: All right, thanks for having me, guys.
0: Thanks a lot. I really appreciate you doing it. You bet. Take care. All right. Bye bye. Thanks. Bye bye. There you go. Thanks to Noodles for the visit here on the Skate Pod. We're going through the Canadian media members one at a time. We'll get them exact. all fired.
1: <laughs> We're just the ones that I have beers with after the Game Seven of the 2011 Finals. I don't think he, he probably doesn't remember that, but uh, after I finally got off work that night in Vancouver and got back to the hotel via the shuttle through you know the war zone that Vancouver became because they lost a hockey game, the um, you know, had threw back a, threw back a beer with Jamie McClendon uh, and, cool. and, and Aaron Ward. So that was good. Good guys. Exactly.
0: Uh, let's talk Don Cherry for a, a minute or two. Yeah, there's not much more time former, you can spend to it. Former guest on it. What's your take on it?
1: I pretty much agree with Jamie McLennan. I mean, uh, I just don't get why he wouldn't just apologize. I mean, they're saying now, I guess he's saying he claimed now they wouldn't allow him to apologize. He said
0: he was, yes, in a follow-up interview, he said he was willing to apologize, but it was not good enough for them. But then he hinted that they wanted to do wanted him to do something else that he refused to do. Yeah and i further heard him say you know i'm not going to do that like he 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 apologizes and then he doesn't then he doubles down and gets it worse he had a reference to <laughs> mississauga that i saw which is a you know a, a, a heavily minority lived area yeah. so that was not a good reference either so i, I mean
1: here's look, my thing look
0: the guy's 85 he's a legend he's uh, how
1: much has been written in the last 2 days about his history of doing these things that yes, he got he's, away he's, with. A, I mean, I was Mostly rem- European listen,
0: bias, you know, nothing so overt. I don't know what you
1: were getting where you live, but I never got Hockey Night in Canada, in New York. I, no. uh, Don Cherry to me was a guy in a magazine. He would pop up in the Hockey News once in a while. He would up, pop up in Goal Magazine or Hockey Illustrated, whatever. Um, I didn't quite understand him. We didn't have the videos even. I kind of knew references to him here and there. It became a guy that during the playoffs he would pop
0: up more because right. the games you would see what he'd said about a big game exactly. and it was more of a national feel. So
1: but I do qu- kind of remember him calling out the Francophone players for being wusses, even claiming Mario Lemieux wasn't tough because he had a French name. So obviously if you if you were doing that now, he would have been gone much longer. Um, he was an equal opportunity offender for sure. Yeah. But not in a way that like a Howard Stern is or something. This is a guy who's supposed to be serious. But by the same token what, what, where did he rank in that like poll that Canada did like years ago? as like the most important Canadian. We, we had a I, respected... I, I called him the greatest right. Canadian. We had him. On. So I don't understand what Canada, how Canada's relationship with him is. It doesn't make sense to me. He 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 he's been doing these things for thirty five years, and yet they hold him in such high regard. He's an institution. So clearly, I don't understand the Canadian psyche. Yeah, and that this was a bridge too far probably has more to do with new management at Rogers yeah. than anything else. And, and also our, you know, social media and the fact that people, more people caught up. I mean, I mean, more people that of um different colors and different genders have written so much about how much they, they do hate him. It's like, almost like they've been silenced in the way, you know, people that have, you know, other people have been silenced over there just because he's been too strong to stand up to. So, yeah, uh, I mean, obviously, the right thing happened here, and it's it's. I don't even want to say it's a shame because if if he was so despicable, why was he on the air all this time? So it's it's but, it's a complicated issue. Exactly. Because he is
0: beloved. He, he you know. Well, that just said. Th- I don't want people. People keep saying this cancel culture. That's not what I want. Right. Um, and he's got his right to his opinions, but he's representing Sportsnet, so he sure. can't be surprised by their reaction, especially if he refuse to apologize but, but, and address and, it. And so that goes
1: back to what I'm saying: is like Canada Canada's. You think of Canada as open, loving, everybody's friendly. It's like the, they say it's the most diverse country in the world. So why did they hold up this this icon of bigotry and xenophobia as a role model for thirty five years? It's it's so such a contradiction. I don't get it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I don't think of him like that though. When I think of Don Cherry from the good side of it, you think of somebody who obviously knew the game, and he would pick stuff out that was interesting. Right. Obviously, he was like. Caveman in terms of the physicality. Right. How many times when he was on with us that he mentioned yeah. he go into right? Like,
1: I have uh, no problem with the fighting, but there was there was always yes. There, there was, was an anti-Ovechkin.
0: There was an anti-European. Exactly. There was an anti-
1: the an- I mean, I guess somebody. T- I don't know if this is true, but I saw this on Twitter, so it had to be true, right? Somebody tweeted out like the three years he owned some OHL team and refused to sign any European players. Yeah. They won like twenty five <laughs> games in three years. Yeah, yeah. So well, that's what it comes back to is like if why is this worse than that? Um, as opposed to, but not not saying that he should that it should continue to get away with it. It's yeah. just interesting and, to and, see and when and it the, when the last straw came.
0: Right, and it wasn't just you people because that's what Don Cherry kept saying. If I had said everybody instead of you people, well, right. it was you people, and then it was you come here, right? And then it was, exactly. it was obviously a reference to immigrants. And you know, as I said on the Great Hill show, right. I'm married to a Canadian. Yeah, she's from Montreal. Right, she's Indian. Right, her parents were immigrants. They came in the '70s. Their whole life in. And Montreal, it's even more complex with the, you know, yeah. French Canadians sure. and the mix. They were forced to speak the language at a young age, th- thrown into French immersion schools. Th- that's all they wanted was right. to learn the culture, become Absolutely. part of it, become, uh, you know, just a Canadian. Right. And, and they, are, a lot of them are proud Canadians. They would support the military. And you say stuff like that, and if it goes unchecked, right, it's hurtful. It is divisive to them. And you know, as a white guy, I don't deal with that stuff. But when you're around people like, and I'm learning too, like every year, you realize what an impact it has. They go, you know, it affects the way they live their lives. You go sure. around like looking over your shoulder. Am I accepted? Am I not? Like, like subtle things. So people just, you know, wow, cancel culture. It, it's it's complex.
1: This is this is much different than cancel culture. This isn't right. some this isn't something that was misinterpreted or could be seen two ways. This is something that he's saying. He
0: actually said so. yes, right, and wouldn't back down from it. right. Really. I mean and wouldn't even really try, but, but you know, he's going to be remembered for an, an unbelievable career, Oh, you know what? Actually,
1: I want to get this in. Ron McClain, people blaming Ron McClain. He blamed Ron McClain. Give me a break. The guy has, the guy has to herd cats for eight minutes every Saturday night, right? You know, he's got somebody talking in his ear. Yeah. He's trying to get this, you know, 85-year-old man who can't say, like, one coherent <laughs> sentence without st- getting off topic— on on topic so they can get everything in in those, is it even eight minutes? I think it's like six minutes, whatever it is. Right. He's on. He's, he's trying to wrap it up. The guys, he, We've heard Cherry talk about the veterans and talk about the poppies and all these things leading up to that video that they show of him in the, in the graveyard. Yep. How many times do you think Ron McClain has, has seen and heard that and seen and heard his introduction to that? So he's not expecting some big thing to come out of his mouth at that point in time. He's just trying to get the show over. He's probably not listening. Yeah, maybe. I mean, we all tune out. Now and then, when we're on any kind of show, and yeah, I just when, turned out what you said exactly. Right. And so, enough with the oh, Ron McLean just sat there. He he clearly would have responded. I don't, you know, Ron. Well, Ma- well with Cherry, Cherry to me, Cherry to Blaine, me Ron McClain is the Mister Rogers of Canada, and <laughs> get off his back. I mean, really.
0: Well, he's rode on Don's coattails for many, many years to to a significant job. You got to admit that it's not like Ron is a bomb thrower. I mean, that's
1: well, no, but he's a, he's he's a he's a presenter. He's a solid presenter.
0: He's he's yes. But what Cherry blamed him for was throwing him under the bus, as he perceived. He got he got on there and apologized, and yeah. basically
1: did did he, the he, did the yes did the human thing
0: the human thing to keep his job, <laughs> obviously. And Don is hurt after thirty years of it. So anyway, a lot of Canadian issues. Um, <laughs> before we get out of here, now. Uh, we had Cam Neely on the show last week. We yep. encourage people to go back and listen if you yep. haven't.
1: Very appropriate considering what we talked about with the, the, the Bruins passing too much and Cam Neely talking about being selfish when you pass.
0: And the Krug stuff. Now, we, now on the Greg Hill Show, yep. Cam was on the next day mm-hmm. and would not answer a direct question about Krug. You said, yeah. I defer to Don Sweeney on that. But didn't you come away from our conversation with Cam thinking, oh boy, they're a little leery about signing Cruz. Yes, I mean, absolutely. I, I I changed my mind totally after that. I mean, he, he didn't say it; he was careful.
1: I think they're leery if they're leery about going too long with him. V- very much so. So that's going to be that's going to that doesn't mean he can't stay. It just means he has to understand that if he if like he they're looking for like a five year deal. Exactly. Or something. I think I think Tory has to accept five years, which it, at, it at a pretty good AV, which would probably be seven seven times five. five seven. You don't want to stay here and win. And challenge for the cup. You want to go somewhere else? I mean, you know, lots of luck to you there. I mean,
0: but life without him, as Jamie McLennan says, okay, let's picture that. Right, he goes
1: exactly. Well, is Grizzly enough? Is is McAvoy? It's Grizzly. It's McAvoy. It's Vaknin. Even. I mean, if if the guy takes the right strides, and it means a restructure of the power play, it means you know, kind of a realignment of things. But um, they're not going to blow up the cap, and they're not going to like. I think the the parts where we talked about Krug, also the part we didn't talk directly about Krug when we were talking about Lucic. Yeah, and talking about not falling in love with your players, and the fact that they fell in love with the Luciches and the Kellys and the Peverlies, and got too tied up. You know, they're not going to go in cap jail anymore. They're they're going to make the hard decisions, I guess. And his his uh, tribute to Belichick, saying that you know the guy makes the hard decisions right. and cut pli- cut cuts ties with players that are, you know, sentimental favorites it's going to be, you know, our way or the highway, I guess.
0: And you took a shot at the Red Sox and mentioned the loyalty coming back to bite well, you Yeah, I Steve Pearce. Steve the, pierce that's, has that's the same batting that. average as me. <laughs> they, he gets
1: a get shot at him, you know.
0: All right. So interesting week coming up with uh, the back-to-backs, Capitals and the Leafs. Uh, by the time we talk to you next week, you want to peek ahead? We've got some couple of interesting guests lined up in the hopper through you. I'm looking forward to that. you want to reveal those? yeah no, we'll keep just them, we'll keep People quiet. keep guessing. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um so by the time we talk to you next week, they have have uh, a Jersey game, so we'll be on after the trip to Jersey, which is uh, the least interesting of the three games that will happen. In well, the, you never know with the Bruins. Was, I mean, they
1: made it an interesting game with Ottawa, so they could make an interesting game with New Jersey. Good point.
0: All right, uh, check out Calvin's uh, delicious stories at wei.com and, uh, of course, uh, all the uh, podcasts you can handle now at SkatePod. And we'll talk to you next week.